Blog Talk Radio. The Four Persons Inc. is a federally registered and licensed 501c3 charity. Any use of any of our content without our permission is prohibited by law. Our purpose is evangelization, education, and social action. Please go to our website at thefourpersons.com or our blog site at thefourpersons.net to make your tax-deductible donation by credit or debit card. You can also send a check to The Four Persons, Inc., P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. To contact us, send us an email at email at thefourpersons.com.
incomparable Donna Corey Gibson, friend of the four persons and an incredible talent. And what a way to start the show tonight. I'm going to start with a prayer tonight, and then I'm going to turn it over to Terry and Deacon Denny to run things. We also on the switchboard, just so you know, we have Gerald Cheney, we have Larry Ray, and we have Tony from Isaiah House are on the switchboard. So I'm going to open with a prayer and then turn it over to Terry and Deacon Denny. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail and blessed be the hour and moment at which the Son of God was born of a most pure virgin at a stable at midnight in Bethlehem in the piercing cold. At that hour vouchsafe, I beseech thee to hear our prayers and grant our desires through Jesus Christ and his most blessed mother. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Terry, Deacon Denny, welcome. The floor is yours. Well, good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon, brother. So tonight, um, I'm going to, uh, for the most part, let Deacon Denny uh, run the show if he's comfortable with that. Uh, what I would like to do is um, me and him, uh, Deacon Denny and I were talking the other day about doing a show um, about how um, how it is for um, convicts who are incarcerated during the holiday seasons. Um, for everybody, uh, it don't matter what the religion is. It's it's a little difficult because you're you're. This is a time of of family, and it don't really matter what your religion is. Everybody celebrates Christmas, three or another. And um, but specifically for those who are Christian and 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 know what the holiday is about, it's a little bit harder. And um, Deacon Denny uh, said some things that really uh touched touched my heart um he 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 spoke about um you know the different ways that we can show um our brothers and sisters uh who are incarcerated that we love them and and more importantly he spoke about uh, uh demonstrating to them the love of christ um so i have um brother tony from isaiah house um, Gerard is also on, and um, Brother Larry. So, Deacon Denny, I'd like for you to to kind of, if you could uh, remember what you said to me, uh, um, if you could uh, relate that to the audience, and then um, maybe bring in Larry and then uh, Gerard, because uh, I think Gerard and Tony both were incarcerated, so they can give some firsthand accounts of um, of the uh of what it's like for somebody to be behind bars during the the holiday season so with that deacon denny the floor is yours brother well thank you thank you terry and merry christmas to you and merry christmas to all of you on um that are on the radio and listening in on this podcast and i i just want to say that you know during uh christmas time it's um it's a time of giving but also it's a time where all of our emotions and memories kind of are amplified and, and intensified, and and it's a it's a time of really, um, especially a time of loneliness for for a lot of folks, especially those that are that are incarcerated during Christmas. But but it's a time when uh, we can do two things: we can we can look at it either as a time of loss or as a time of precious hope. You know, a message of, of precious hope that God said that. Um, uh, he loved us so much that he sent his only son and he sent his only son, not to judge us, but to love us and to love us all, you know, uh, black, white, whatever religion he came to save us all and love us all. And I think he, he came to love us and save us all. Not because of, um, uh, not because of what we did, not in spite of what we did because of who he is and who we are, or I should say whose we are and we are his. We are brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, and in this world, if we that message can ring especially true this holiday season during during Christmas season, and it can bring us all to, uh, closer to Him, uh, and that we can number one, we can realize that God loves us, in spite of what we may have done, God still loves us, and we are precious in His sight. We're 
made preciously in his image. And we are so precious to him and so valuable to him that he sent his only son uh, to, to come be born of, of a woman, so he's fully man, and to live a life of showing us uh, not only the way and the truth in life, but through his words, but also through his actions. And then he uh, lived all, loved us all the way to the cross to die um, a terrible death that a, a man, um, you know, can you imagine the nails to your hands and feet, the crown to your head, and hanging on a cross and suffocating uh, and dying. But the thing is, he didn't stay dead. He, um, he came back. He came back, and he rose from the dead. And he, he's a living God, a living, breathing God. And he loves us today, and he loves us tomorrow. And so as, you know, in, during this time of Advent, Advent is a, t- a season of preparation to, for the great celebration of celebrating Jesus Christ and his, his, um, his birthday. So uh, even though uh, this Sunday is uh, what's called the Re- Gaudete Sunday, which means rejoice, it's like we're halfway through, uh, well, actually we're more than halfway through Advent, and it's that time of preparation is starting to spill out into this excited expectation, this excited joy. Uh, and even though it's doing that, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Jesus' birth and Jesus continuing to live through through us, through our words and through our actions, and through our, um, and especially for those in the Catholic tradition, when they receive the Eucharist, they receive the Eucharist and they, uh, not only is God walking with them and uh, assuring that they'll never be abandoned, they'll never be left orphaned, uh, but also he dwells within each and every one of us. So I'd, I'd like to... Um, uh, you know that's a that's a message message of hope and joy. But a lot of times during this time of um, uh, this time that you know uh, brings back uh, family memories, good times and bad times, um, and we can't seem we it kind of intensifies that though we can't seem to celebrate those things because we're in inside prison. And um, I think that that's um, it's a time to instead of uh, be angry at God, be angry at your situation. But uh, rather than that, to turn to God and, and thank him for all the good memories that he gave us, all the times that were given to us by, by others, by family members, by friends, uh, and, and to savor those and be thankful to God for those. So uh, as far as us trying to support from, from outside, um, letters, well, we, we just recently finished a retreat at the Win Unit for 137 guys. And we did a retreat, and it was a beautiful thing. It was early December. But it was uh, uh, one of the biggest things on these retreats, guys, say is, you know, we can't believe that all of you are in here. Uh, and you're here um, spending a whole weekend uh, with us. And we tell them, well, where else would we be? God said to love you. And we're loving you with all, our, all that we are. So it's a, a, a beautiful thing that happens. And I, I just want to uh, share for a minute. On this retreat, there was a first-time volunteer. Her name is Amanda, and she has a um, incurable, or so we thought, incurable muscle disease that's basically destroying the, the the muscles in her legs. So she's even though she's probably maybe not even well, I think she's on 30. Uh, she has to walk with a walker, and when she got to the window, she had to climb you know, hand over hand up these steps because there's no elevator for sure. But then, but she climbed up these steps just pulling herself hand over hand over hand. And, um, and then when she got by the top, she was exhausted and she sat down. And she has a walker with one of those those seats in it. And so then she rested up and then she slowly made it to her, to her chair in the retreat space. So she was there all day Saturday, all day Friday. Well, all um, started Friday afternoon, but she was there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and every time, you know, at the end of the day, having to work her way back down the steps, hand over hand. Well, on Monday, she got to, um, she's on disability. She goes to morning mass. She goes to her church, and she hears this voice, don't use handicapped parking. And the person didn't understand that. She heard again, a voice that don't use handicapped parking. Park any place else in the parking lot, but don't use handicapped parking so she parked um way far away uh, away from the handicapped parking and she um uh then the, the the voice also said don't use your walker okay so she walked from the, the car out in the normal parking spaces parking lot 
walked all the way unassisted with no no chair, no uh, no walker, and walked over, you know, walked to church, celebrated mass or participated in mass, and and uh, walked back. That was on Monday, last Monday, and um, uh, she's been uh, well, I guess it was a week ago, last Monday, and um, a week later, she's no, she hasn't used her walker since. So if wow. that's not biblical. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. But she's up until this point been using that walker. Her legs are giving her the balance that they need. God has given her the balance they need. And I think that that lesson has so many powerful lessons for us. But uh, you know, she's relying on God to give her the balance. Well, we need to do the same. We need to rely on God to give us a balance in our lives, especially guys inside when uh, you know Christmas comes around and, and uh, you know you're never alone. Um, Jesus walks with you too I often say that you never walk alone God is with you always Be always assured in that That God is with you always And I, I just want to um, Well I want to open it up to the uh, To uh, Gerard and, and others to you know, Tell me what it was like um, Tell our audience what it was like uh, When you're inside And, and um, what it's like now on the outside And what Christmas was inside And what it is now So who would like to start here? I, I think um, uh, Gerard, are you um, there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah Hello? Yeah. Okay. Merry Christmas to thank all you. of you, and uh, thank you for inviting me to the show. Um, so for me, and I did a total of about 13 Christmases inside. Um, obviously, the first Christmas was probably the, the hardest, right, because you're you're fresh inside and still trying to figure your 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 way and, and how to survive. And I was a fallen away Catholic when I entered prison, but I came out a very faithful Catholic. Um, so I think coming back to my faith inside helped get me through the Christmas season. But, but I will say that, you know, uh, missing family and missing those times of celebration uh, makes you sad, you know, uh, uh, and the guards celebrate Christmas, of course. So they're in a festive mood. And here you are, you know, stuck, not being able to share it with anyone. Uh, but uh, Catholics, at least the ones that I've met inside, we we start watching out for each other. We start getting together, and we actually start celebrating Christmas. You know, once you're comfortable inside and you develop a group of friends, we would actually try to stay up to watch midnight mass, and uh, that would be the kind of the start of our celebration, and we'd eat our meals together because uh, usually at least in, in the Texas prison system, they try to feed you well on Christmas. So we kind of bring our food back and, and share a meal with each other. Um, and we actually have had times where we actually did presents. Uh, I remember a few Christmases, me and my brothers actually did a, a gift exchange and, and the gifts that you can actually get inside are, are not something that, Someone would give to a gift outside, of course. It could be food. It could be something you made, possibly. But um, so I think for for me, yes, I miss family, but I had family inside that uh, I celebrated with. Good, good. Well, that, that's that's uh, so the, your faith. Yeah, your faith was a gift to each other, and it caused you to come together. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The, 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 the fact of, you know, we, we shared that with non-Catholics as well. We would invite folks to, to participate with us. Uh, we actually even held games that we played uh, after, after eating. So we tried to share the love that, that we're, we're supposed to, right, as Catholics. Um, you can be a good Catholic while you're in prison. And, and, and I've always tried to do that. Um, and, and it's not always easy. I can't say I, I, I did it. I accomplished it every day, but, um, the, the biggest thing though, really, and, and, and some of the smallest things can mean a lot. So you mentioned earlier about writing to prisoners and things like that. Um, I gotta say, I've received a lot more mail on the inside from non Christian Catholics than I did for from Catholics, and 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 that's sometimes I wonder why that is that that other denominations, other non-Catholic denominations, 
participate more with people inside. So, so I really want to stress to the listeners out there, if you know of anyone in prison, even if you don't, I'm sure the diocese you, you are in can connect you up with someone or let you know because it's important for us. It's one of the corporal works of mercy is to, to you know, minister to those that are inside. And what a great way to do it starting this Christmas. Yeah, what did it mean to uh, to get a letter from outside? Well, it meant someone cares about you. You may not even know the person. Um, one person who was a Catholic who became a pen pal of mine, a, a woman, gosh, this is a, a great story. So I got a a uh, a book. There was a donated book, a Catholic book, into our library, and it had a person's uh, mailing address stamped inside. And I decided to just write this person, and it was in San Diego. And about a month later, I got all these cards, uh, Catholic prayer cards, etc., from this woman. She ended up being she had no idea how her book got into the prison system. She donated it somewhere at church in California, and somehow it found its way to uh, our prison library, our Catholic library. I was actually the librarian. So it ended up being a, I think, a seven-year friendship. She passed away, but she had written me at least once a month. And I never met this woman, but I feel I was connected to her through our faith and through the love that she showed me just by some guy writing her from prison. She had never planned on, on connecting with anyone in prison, but I think it changed both our lives. Yeah. That's the power, the power of the pen, and the, uh, you know, there's the old saying that uh, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I think one of the exactly. most genuine, pure ways of doing that is, is, is with uh, pen pals and correspondence. Exactly. So that's why I stress that because there's a lot of guys, and I'm still in contact with a lot of people still inside. I've been out for two years, and I'm in contact with 40 men. Some of them, quite a few of them, are Catholic. Um, and I'm the only connection they have to the outside world. And it, it's sad that a lot of family members fall away from people that are incarcerated for various reasons, right? Um, but someone out there listening could be the only connection to someone on the inside. Imagine how how great that would make each person feel, you know? Uh, so I really do stress that um, if there's something you can do, you should really try I am at work, and I have to put mute for a second. Okay, yeah. We'll move on. I'll so um, go on to the next you. person. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Let Larry, did you um, – did, what was your experience with Larry around Christmas time? Uh, time? No. So, no, no, Dicka Danny, I, uh, I, I am not – I'm a free road guy, so uh, <laughs> okay. my experience is <laughs> – no, I, I realize what, what Gerard's saying is is I see that uh, we go into these prisons when they have uh, when they have mass for Christmas and every unit has something uh, where the, the bishop even goes in there uh, at like at McConnell next week the bishop is going to be there to celebrate mass and it just means so much for these guys I know it does. Especially uh, when you talk about these guys have been locked up for many years and the family have left them, um, so uh, it, it's, it's just amazing. So, uh, so I think you want to talk to Tony, uh, get his experience. Okay. Yeah, Tony. Tony, what um, what do you got to share there, Tony, about this season? How are you doing tonight? Yeah, good, Tony. Good. Merry Christmas. Well. Uh, you know, I did three uh, three years in, in uh, Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and I think part of the stuff that I saw was that it's no surprise that, you know, offenders struggle during the holidays. Uh, despair, loneliness, regret, self-loathing, um, these are all the emotions that Satan works on to defeat you. Um, and they're the characteristics of the experience that many of us had inside during that time of year. Um it's not hard to imagine why that went uh, that way. We get locked away. Uh, a lot of times <clears throat> you don't have visits You don't because you're so far away from where your family is. 
they just finally just got tablets in TDCJ, which uh, helped out an awful lot with the uh, with the violence that occurred during the holidays. You know, there were people that were were there for many years that didn't have money; they couldn't buy the extra things that you could at Christmas that some people could. Um, challenges of family coming to visit; some offenders never had family come and come and visit them. So I think part of the largest factor leading up to depression in, in prison is the separation from your family, friends, and your community. Um, a fact that really becomes prevalent and even gets harder during the holidays. Um, the holidays are a reminder that the family system, if they have some family system, and generally uh, most people incarcerated usually only have a mother that raised them, that's the only bond that they had. And when that that female matriarch passed away or is gone, that they were accustomed to having around, they were, they become broken, and they they feel like they don't have anything left. Uh, one of the things that I'm starting to see now is that um, Catholics in in the Texas region are really getting active in the prison system. They're they're pushing down some barriers which have been very prevalent over the years. Uh, I was at the Ramsey unit, a trustee camp, and it was very challenging for us to get in the main building for uh, Catholic services. So we had a, uh, a group of Vietnamese that would come out once a month and bring us communion. And there were times they couldn't get in because if there was a problem at one of the other uh, campuses, Terrell or uh, Stringfellow, they couldn't get in. So that little bit of contact that we had was all, all we could do. You know, you can only watch so many shows on TV without having that real contact. You know, you can watch the shows on TV. They show the perfect families, the traditional holidays and everything. But when Christmas comes around, there's two holidays in Texas every year that you get an apple and an orange. The rest of the year, mm-hmm. you don't get that. And that's huge. I mean, and, and men would fight for those things because – that is all that they could, you know, think about is what am I going to get that little extra meal? They give you a little breakfast. They give you that big meal at lunch, and then everybody gets locked down for the rest of the day so the rest of the guards can go home to their families. And that really is a huge challenge when it comes to trying to get the men back into um, the thought process of coming back into the community. Uh, uh, um, St. Benedict talked about that all the time with this, the marketplace. How do you get them back in the marketplace so they can cope right? I know that's important things to look at um, because when you're separated by incarceration, you always feel very lonely. Uh, and the only way to recover from that is you, you've got to pray. You've got to ask God for guidance. That's what St. Peter was doing all the time. He was always asking God for guidance when he was locked up. And that's what kept, kept him in his sanity on the right path. Yeah. Amen. Gotcha. Amen to that. I think that that's, um, yeah, if, if the prison ministries can make it a point, a special point to to do something uh, caring and giving for the, uh, during the time of Christmas uh, for the men, that I, I think that they can do a lot to ease the pain and, and, and assure them <clears throat> that they're not forgotten because I think everyone, well, well they do get forgotten. And I, mm-hmm. I think that that's uh, to assure them that yeah, okay, many people may have forgotten you, but God hasn't forgotten you, and His servants haven't forgotten you, His ministers haven't forgotten you. But now we, you know, we might say it, but now we got to do it, you know. And I think, uh, the, like uh, on this this prison retreat, I I didn't want to do it in December uh, because of the, well, because of Christmas. I didn't want to do a a December. Uh, Retreat because, of, but it was because of Christmas and everyone was busy doing their other things. But, but it ended up, uh, uh, and uh, we did it anyhow. There were so many blessings that came out of that for the men and and for I think that the ministers were, well, obviously Amanda was given a miracle, but all of us were blessed with such a, a wonderful outpouring. Um, not you know when you give you get you know and um, you know when you walk towards God walk God walks towards you you take one step towards Him He takes a thousand steps towards you and that that realization everyone coming to that realization during that encounter that that retreat it's um, uh, it it's um, it was a, a, spe- a beautiful gift to give 
and a beautiful gift, even probably a more beautiful gift to receive from the um, from the men themselves. Um, and I think that's. Um, uh, I was wondering, uh, 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 Tony, uh, what do you guys do at the Isaiah House during during Christmas? Do you guys have anything you do different, or you know? We do. Address, um, uh, this year, we've actually uh, I've implemented some things. Uh, last night, we actually had uh, Saint Martha's uh, band come down and they played, and it was a extremely great experience for the men. You know, they they played some Kansas, they played some holiday music, but it, they were here for about two and a half hours, and the guys really got into it. Uh, we've got some things coming in from uh, a couple of churches for for the kids and stuff. We're working with the uh, Marine uh, donations. Uh, we've got uh, a big thing going on Sunday where uh, one of our uh, directors cooked up like 75 pounds of uh, pork, pulled pork, and they're going to be having that with their families. So we're even though some of them can leave and go to their families, a lot of them are so far away. We're creating the uh, Isaiah House as their family, um, just like we talked about last night. That um, we're going to be doing um, on Saturday morning, packing those 4,700 bags of candy and stuff for the Estelle unit and the Walls okay. unit to pass out. Uh, we we've already labeled all the um, uh, Ziploc bags. We did 1,500 of them and some other groups did, and then we're going to show up with 12 men to help get these all packed. And one of the things that the, I wrote some notes down from last night, uh, one of the guys wrote down, Christmas time in prison is incredibly difficult. Though prison is noisy, crowded place, a dark cloud of loneliness would begin to creep into my heart. I remember wrestling with the shame of my past, wondering what could have been longing for life to be different and missing my family deeply. Ooh, and the yeah. thing that the thing that he wrote down next really hit me hard. He And I, I remember it because uh, I was there too. He goes, it's always noisy in prison until Christmas. Hmm. And then he says, you could hear a mouse fart. He said, it is so quiet because everybody is in their despair. They're laying there because they can't do anything. There's no church services. You're not allowed to get out of your, your bunk area. And it's utterly quiet. Every once in a while you could hear a sob. You could hear somebody praying to God. And those are the unbearable times of the Christmas season. So our job as mentors going in there is to point out to our men the peace and joy that we get from Jesus. That is the only way and the only way we can make it better for them in there, to remind them that they need to, to look up to him to understand his suffering, like Dick and Denny talked about. It's you got to think of the story of Jesus, why he came. you got to think of the struggles that he went through. He went through many struggles over those 33 years. You know, he could have walked away at any moment. He could have allowed Satan to give him the world. He could have, you know, you know, at the garden, just you know, let the body talk and, and walk away, and not give us that that freedom of having that oxbow lifted off our shoulders. It could have happened. You know, um, Tony. The reason I wanted <laughs> to to hear this from y'all is because I did. So I did 18 years in prison, but prior to that, I had been locked up almost my whole juvenile. Uh, I mean, I. I I've been locked up almost the whole time since I was like nine years old. Um, so I would always see the, the the despair, the hopelessness. I mean, for the first 10 years of my incarceration, I was just, just a, a stupid idiot. Um, it wasn't until I became Catholic. In fact, I became Catholic in 2001. It was 10 years after I had already been incarcerated. And it took me like another two years to start um, behaving like a Catholic, right? Um, but I would always see the, the the despair, the the hopelessness of other people, and and it, it never never really clicked for me. Uh, why is is why is everybody so sad? I mean, hey. You know, we're getting, like you said, we're getting an apple and an orange. We could take this back and, and make a spread with it, you know. Um, we're getting toothpaste, you know, all the little 
stuff that they give us, and it was always like not even thinking about Jesus, even before I became Catholic, it was a happy time for me because I was getting extra little doodads, and I never really could understand because I, I didn't have a fam- family. You know, I was I grew up incarcerated, and it wasn't until I became, it wasn't until I went to Ramsey too and got involved with the Brothers of St. Dismas and, and started learning, started learning the, the, the details of, of the Catholic faith, the, the immaculate conception, the sinlessness of, of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the birth of Christ, like not the commercial uh, birth of Christ that, we, that the world celebrates every December 25th, but the, the real meaning of the nativity of Jesus Christ that I started understanding what Christmas was. But even then, I, I never really had that, you know, that that hopelessness or despair because I went from, you know, uh, a guy who never really had family or, or anything to having a family, the Brothers of St. Dismas, uh, Deacon Denny, uh, Deacon Higgins, and, and all the, the the people that would come from uh, St. Maximilian Kobe to visit us. And, I mean, that was the closest I ever really had to a family. So, it, to me, Christmas was, was always a joyous time. And I wanted to bring y'all along because I know, I mean, I would be, I would have sellies that would just be in the corner. I mean, maybe not openly weeping, but you could see the, the sadness, the depression. And, and I'd be like, dude, what's, what's wrong with you, you know? And and so I wanted to, that's why I wanted to do this show to kind of get an understanding because I know when you come from a, a, a family or, or whatever memories it is that you hold on to, I know from, from having done so long in prison that you hold on to those memories as tight as you can, but as the years go by, as the years go by, those, those memories, they, they start to fade, you know, and um, that's that's kind of why I wanted to bring y'all along because I was interested myself on 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 the, the hopelessness. I kind of understood that these folks felt like they weren't loved, but I didn't understand that until after I became Catholic. Before I, before I became Catholic, it was just, you know, I never understood it, you know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the most precious messages that Jesus gave us is that is that um, uh, he, he gives he shines the light into the darkness, and he um, he not only is he the light of the world, but he calls us likewise to be the light of the world. You know, on the the, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, after the Beatitudes, he he you know cites some Beatitudes and he talks about us being the we we're the light of the world. So he teaches us, and we believe in his message, and then we share that message to others. And he calls us not to know about him. He calls us to know him and then make him known to others through words and through actions and through caring and loving. And um, we always need to strive as prison ministers as well, you know, people on the outside uh, and people that have been formerly inside. We always got to strive as how can we care for one another and especially for our brothers, um, brothers in white inside. Uh, and, and like I, do, I heard some beautiful ideas there, like making these um, these gift packages for. How many are you doing uh, at Isaiah House there, Tony? Oh, you we'll be doing, doing like 4,700 4, over at St. Marcus on Saturday morning. Wow. Um, that, that's <clears throat> incredible. That is incredible. Wow. Yeah, that's. Yeah, <laughs> part, a big Thank chunk you. of that was the St. Marcus Colby uh, team. Just putting that all together, and you know the men in white, as we call them. You know, you got men in white that have been released, and they'll be going there packaging gifts for people that they'll never meet for other men that are in white. That you know they remember getting some of those gifts. So that's that's enough uplifting thing for them. So what what's in these little packages? Oh, they put in uh, candy bars, beef jerky. Uh, yeah. It's it's a it's about a double size uh, sandwich bag, so it weighs probably about a pound or so. So I mean, but it's it's packed full of stuff, and uh, we've heard about bartering and trading in there, and they barter and trade like no tomorrow when they get those things, and the uh, the warden turns a blind eye to it. So it's kind of a 
interesting <laughs> concept. Uh, that's great. Hey, that's great. Hey, Tony, I want to thank you. And and if if you could, I know the guys don't know me, but if you could pass that on to to the guys there at Isaiah House, I want to thank you guys because you're 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 allowing the light of Christ through you, and um, that's that's my prayer every time when I go to mass after I receive the Eucharist. I'm like, Lord, allow your light to shine through me onto everyone that I come in contact with. And Dickie Denny, that's what you and Larry do. When y'all go inside, even when it's not the holiday season, like I said, there there are people like me that didn't have family and just grew up in the streets or grew up incarcerated. And when y'all come on a regular basis, you become that family that we never had. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, uh, well, I, I thank you for that, Terry, and and I consider you my brother. Um, I know you and, and love you as much as I love my my own uh, brothers up in um, that live up still up live up in Wisconsin. So, um, I, I just wanted you to know that, and I, you know, the, these um, these uh, uh, times of you know that we have a new family, you know, like a new brotherhood, and and like the guys at the at the Kobe house, they're um, They've helped now well, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. They will have, uh, like at, at Thanksgiving, they helped uh, move all the tables and chairs from St. Maximilian into, uh, into a, in front of a parking lot of a police station, believe it or not. And we set up for uh, a lot of homeless guys and uh, guys that were previously in prison. And, and uh, it was come on, come on. Uh, we carted 20 coin round tables, 150 chairs. We set all that up, thinking there'd only be 150 people. 400 people showed up, and so the, there was and plenty the, of turkey. The police officers were in on it. Yeah, police. The police were helping. Uh, and some of them were helping. Oh wow! Serve, you know, some were helping set up the tables, and uh, you know, and they were in uniform. They were in uniform, so it was like. Um, uh, and it seemed like everyone was getting along. It was great. It was a wonderful thing. And it was right in their parking lot. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, did that. Then we uh, they helped. Uh, the very next day, we did a, a clean the closet project at uh, St. Michael's, and got about oh about thirteen fourteen hundred pounds of clothing. That on Saturday we handed out. Uh, we all that went out to the homeless. And then uh, uh, now this this weekend we'll be doing a, another project for. For a bunch of uh, young first-generation migrant kids that learn how to speak English, using um, children's uh, using children's uh, Bible stories, so they read the Bible stories in English, and they have over this, this program has over 500 kids involved in that, and so we're we're cooking the food for a big uh, something called La Posada, I think I'm saying that right, but it's a big Christmas event for them, but that's how now that's how guys that were formerly in prison are given back. So, you know, we give to the guys in prison, and that's very important. But then once they get out, we have to have a, have a plan for them to, um, you know, help them reintegrate into society. And one of the best ways is is have them uh, look beyond themselves and, and see how they can help others in need. And that's, uh, that, that's a big thing we push at, at Kobe House is um, you're not only going to be a man of, of strong faith, but a man of strong service. And service to others, to love one another, as Jesus called us to do. And um, that's the um, uh, we've, it's been really successful with the with like the the homeless outreach program that we do every month, where we give we go under the bridges and we give food and clothing to to homeless people. They don't have cars, they, so you have to go where they're at. And as of last, well, as of uh, this month, we, well, we did a distribution this month. We had uh, we gave out fifty-one thousand pounds of clothing. Or excuse me, fifty-one thousand pounds of food, and over twenty thousand pounds of clothing in the last two and a half years. And we do it do it every month. Um, so, but it's um, it's been a tremendous blessing to the to the men themselves, to the brothers themselves. So. But I love the idea of uh, putting together the, the the candy canes and the, uh, the, the the little Christmas gifts and and allow. You know, and take them in, and you know that's a beautiful way of sharing the love, sharing the love of Christmas. Oh yeah, it is. I was, I was just on the um, Colby retreat up at the Estelle unit um, three weeks ago, 
And uh, I didn't I didn't have to talk this time. Usually I do a talk, but this time I was able to sit with my table the whole time. And I wrote down a couple of things uh, I'm going to talk about, and I'll read it to you. I said, during the Christmas season, uh, these are some things you should think about. I said, uh, share a time when the Holy Spirit spoke to you and gave you peace and direction. And then I read this to him. I said, may God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was Romans 15, 13. Then I go, then after that, share a time when your heart was heavy. Maybe you experienced discord in your family. You were disappointed by someone or someone you are struggling with or with depression. And then go to Psalms 42:11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed with me? Let me put my hope in God, for I will yet raise him, my Savior and my God. Then I go, when you have that, now write a prayer, asking that you may have peace and comfort in your heart and a firm assurance of God's grace and mercy through his Son. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given it to us, Romans 5.5. 5. And then in closing, I said, you need to share what it means to you and others in the group, and what a gift it is able for you to write during this holiday season to each other at the table, six men that were at our table. I said, one person who gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but it becomes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. So I gave them some steps, the four steps over the holidays to clean themselves and then share it with others. That's great. That's beautiful, Tony. Good, good job. Hey, Dick, um, uh, Larry, Larry, I know you you uh was just involved in a in a retreat. Also, would you like to share that? Absolutely. Uh, actually, I stayed pretty much in the background, like I do every place else. But uh, so I'm. Like I mentioned before, I plant seeds and I and I just watch them grow. Uh, but I do want to share this with you guys. Um, me and another guy drove uh, seven hours one way to Oklahoma on Tuesday to meet with a chaplain for three hours. We're going to be doing a Kobe retreat in February, and so uh, God works in mysterious ways, and and this ministry is growing. I did want to mention one thing, though. Um, it is great to listen to you guys talk about uh, the forgotten ones in the prison, especially during the holidays, uh, Christmas time. But I spent probably before the pandemic, every time we went into the prison, I spent all my time back in segregation. And so I think those guys back in segregation, especially those guys who have been back there for years, um, they're the forgotten ones. And I know that we're trying to do a push to to try to get more volunteers to go back to segregation to minister to those guys because nobody's going back there. And I write uh, a couple of guys back there, and I don't know their feelings about um, the missing of Christmas while they're back there. Uh, I know somebody, uh, Tony, I think you mentioned about during those times uh, during Christmas where you could hear a, 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 <laughs> everything quietens down. And, and, and I imagine that back in segregation is about the same way. But, but no, um, well, it depends. Gary, it I depends like, on, It depends. It depends on where you're at yeah. in segregation. I, I did some time back there. And, and yeah, well, some of those then you know how – yeah, then you know everything. I mean, it's never a dull moment back there, even in the middle of the night. I mean, people, I mean, every time I went back there, I couldn't hear myself think. It was a dadgum noise in there. But uh, so I'm just wondering during the Christmas time if everything's quietened down. But but anyway, um, no, I like to stay in the background. Uh, I continue to plant seeds, and I, I, I just got into the Holy Spirit and watch them, watch them grow. That's One of the things... One of the things we can do, uh, well, we can't, but um, (laughs) right after I became Catholic, I was involved in a riot. And uh, the first time I went to Sega, I was in there for three years. And then the second time I went to Sega, I was in there for a year and a half. The second time I had just 
I had just became Catholic. And the priest that had baptized me would come back there every week and bring me, I mean, my that's, that year and a half is what I needed in SEG because I don't think I would have ever lived the faith um, in, in general population on Beto 1. Um, but the priest would bring me books about the lives of the saints and um, bring me the Eucharist, hear my confession every week. And he, if if we could maybe get some retired priests or something to uh, start visiting Catholics that are because some people are segregated, like you said, for years, and and uh, they got levels back there now. So like, once you reach a certain level, you're on a you're in an area where not everybody's crazy and and throwing stuff out the cell, uh, and and some of them people are never getting out of seg. Um, but if they're Catholic, they can't practice their faith back there. So if we could maybe find some retired priests or priests that might be interested in uh, um, ministering to these uh, brothers and sisters, uh, that would be um, that would be a huge help for those guys. Yeah, you know, I was one time thinking about that. It's like, you know, um, take an army of priests and, you know, basically uh, uh, attack, attack a, a prison and go to all the places in the prison, um, you know, over one day and hear everybody's confession, you know, and talk to everybody, but get everybody's confession in one day and just, uh, you know, come in, you know, with a van, about 15, 15 priests, be retired, be them young, be them old, be them retired, whatever, and just have them come in like a, and just uh, like storm the beaches of Normandy, but, you know, storm the beaches <laughs> of Satan, you know, and just, just come in there and, and like once, you know, just set up, you know, have them in, and just think of the powerful the powerful encounter that would happen there, not only for the guys that are here in their confession and have those heavy burdens lifted up, that would be a precious, precious gift to give them every Christmas. Is We're going to make sure everybody has an opportunity at confession, number one. But then look at all the guys that aren't Catholic that wouldn't, you know, they'd see that. They'd, they'd see this, this, well, let's make it a school bus filled with guys, you know, black robes and, and collars and uh, going in and we could you know, set them up all around the chapel and, and just, um, I, I think that would, there'd be, there'd be miracles for sure that would just abound out of a day like that. But uh, I think the idea is, you know, start someplace with bringing in extra priests. And I, you know, there are priests that are, um, you know, retired that still with, if someone is willing to shepherd them in through the prison and get them in there, uh, they're, they're, they're willing to help. It's just a matter of, um, a lot of them can't drive anymore. You know, and so, all right, figure all those are all as um, one person has on a desk says everything is figure outable. So (laughs) in God, uh, with God, everything is figure outable. So we can figure it out. Uh, It's just, you know, we've got to have someone, someone uh, light the fire on that thing and and uh, and put that project together. Like what you guys do with the uh, uh, like spreading out into Oklahoma and doing things like that. That's that's a powerful, powerful thing, you know, spreading that word uh, everywhere we can go, everywhere we get in, spread that news, spread the good news. And, yeah. and like with all the candy and things going in, all that, that's amazing. 4,700, that's that's huge. That's really huge. And it, it shows that we care. It shows that the church cares. Right. And, and, and us, you know, Isaiah House, um, the Kobe House, uh, the ministry that, that – uh, Larry's involved with uh, the Brothers of St. Dismas. Um, you know, we need to stay in contact, and uh, when we have new ideas, bounce it off one another. Um, because even though we're our ministries might have different names, we all serve the same uh, king. Yeah, amen. That's right. Amen. Yeah, I think those it's are all like beautiful. <laughs> It's kind of like the Army, as long the as Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines, you know, with different branches of the military. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, Terry, as long as it remains Catholic. Talking right? about, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and that's one of the things uh, that we're doing during this holiday time is we have our Bible study. But 
you know, we, we don't use the word Catholic. We don't use the word universal. We, we talk about the original church. And, and we, we listen to Bishop Barron, Father Mike, give the homily, and then the guys talk about what they received from it. And what they don't understand is, is they're receiving Catholicism. They're, re, they're coming back home, and they don't realize it. You know, to me, that is, yeah, that, that is the most important thing that we do. I, I, just, I love it because I, I see them coming home, and they don't even understand it. And that's God working. Absolutely, I love that because uh, you know every time you bring out the word Catholic, you get uh, standoffish people. But if we teach the faith, you don't have to use the word Catholic. As long as we no. teach the, the faith of the, of the church, it'll all come home. That's the most important thing we can do. You know, right now Jesus brought us home. This is the celebration of His coming to take us home. And every time we do these little steps, Colby Ministry, Saint Dismas. We're we're not throwing Catholicism. We're trying not trying to convert. We're just trying to bring the message to them. And when we do that, they don't. Satan can't attack us because we haven't used the words that Satan wants to attack us with. We 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 do it through love, compassion, hope, and grace. And during this time of season, it's hope and grace that that we really pour on to these men. Yeah, wow, that's good. Amen. Yeah, that's right. There's um, uh, we we have the, the the brothers are now doing this thing. It's um, when we do the um, uh, the outreach program, and, and we're do, we're handing them out inside prison as well. But it's it's there's a picture that's floating around the internet. It's been there for a while. It's where there's there's this giant hand reaching into the water, and it's grasping for a man that's drowning, and it's basically Jesus saving uh, saving Peter from drowning. You know during the during a storm at sea on the Sea of Galilee, and there's the boat in the back was banging around, and and but but on the what we did is we took that card or took that image and put it on the front of a card on a cardstock, and made a like a half page holy card out of it, and on the back page on the back side we put the um, Psalm 91 on it, which is is the assurance of God's protection, but what we do is we'll we'll go up to somebody, uh, and we'll have these guys the brothers come up and. And they'll um, they'll pray for the homeless person, you know, and, and they'll first introduce themselves. And Joe, let's say, Joe, how can I can I pray for you? What can I pray for you? And maybe he wants us to pray for his kids that he hasn't seen in a long time. So we pray for him, and and uh, and then uh, we hand the card to him and say, this card's for you, Joe. And anytime you feel lonely, look at this this what's on the back here, Psalm 91, and um, and just pray it. So we pray it together, and then we ask Joe to pray for us, for the the minister that's ministering to Joe, the homeless person, or for that matter, the guy inside. Now we ask him to pray for us, and he does beautiful jobs. So oftentimes they're really powerful and, and sincere prayers. But I, I just wanted to to share that Psalm 91, if I might. If we have, do we have time, uh, Terry, or are we? Oh yeah, I think we got like uh, well, we got a couple more minutes. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it goes um, like this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is, is a shield and a, and a buckler. For you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will not look in wickedness and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your habitation. No evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge of you to guard you in all of your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And you will tread on the lion and the adder. And the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he clings to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. 
And when he calls to me, I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Amen. It's powerful words of salvation, but also strength. That God gives us the strength to endure any pain, any sorrow, any suffering, any sadness. And he also promises us that things um, uh, things get better as we go. He says the best is yet to come, and that um, uh, he says that there'll be a new Jerusalem when our journey ends here. The new journey begins, and it can begin. It doesn't have to end in our death. It can end in our our sadness and turning away from Satan and turning towards Him, and uh, that'll give us the eternal joy that He promises us. He promises us today. He promises tomorrow. He promises us that forever. Hey, Deacon, I wondered if I might mention something. Um, first of all, your show tonight was very inspiring, um, but I just wanted to add that there's a lot of people that are um, alone and isolated during the holidays, uh, even up, uh, above and beyond those who have been incarcerated. There's those that have been estranged from family, or those that have lost a loved one, um, I lost my best friend of 45 years earlier this year, uh, for example. So uh, what you gentlemen had to say tonight is is very important because it gives hope and strength for people to, um, you know, to go on, to have that, to have that hope. And, and that's the real meaning of, of Christmas after all, Deacon. It's a great light has uh, shown in the darkness. Um, and you know, Christmas came to us at the darkest uh, part of the year, at the darkest time in human history, and uh, that's that's the real message of Christmas. So a lot of people who are alone, estranged, maybe a little bit down on their luck, might not think Christmas is for them. It's especially for them. Amen. Real well said. That, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, that Jesus came. Yes, he came for those uh, that he came especially for. Them. Like you said, he, he came especially for them. Those that think they're all alone, well, they never walk alone anymore. For, for Jesus sent, or God sent his son Jesus to be with them always. And if, if they, and you and know, whenever God, they feel the, like, the reason why um, we, we always, uh, um, try to reach back and, and help those from where we once were. Is I heard a lady say it one time. She said, you know, the old saying everybody's heard is hurt people hurt people. Mm. But then she yeah. added, then she added healed people heal people. And um, we've been yeah. healed through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we want to reach back to those who are in the same position that we were in and help heal them, right? Amen. 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 Yeah. That's... Well, Terry, um, I, I'd like to know if you wouldn't mind if I end us with a closing song instead of a closing prayer in, in, in light of the season. Would that be okay? That's fine sure. with me. Thank y'all. Thank everybody for showing up. we got to do this again soon. God bless. Thank you. God bless Thank you.